0: I know most of the extremely wealthy people in Canada actually come to the United States for treatment. In fact, I knew a nurse here, and she, she was treating a number of Canadians who are, are, are well-to-do. It was in a cancer clinic here in Southern California, and or oncology unit, and, and she was treating a number of Canadians because they could pay for their care directly.
1: He immigrated to America over 20 years ago from Canada. Today, he's a certified financial planner. He's a historian and a deep thinker. Here's Johnny West on the healthcare experience with Tom Glander. Welcome to the show, Johnny, I'm glad you're here.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about that move from Canada to America. And of course you did it all legally and by the books. And What was that like?
0: It's hard to uh, come into America uh, and find employment here. As you would expect, countries want to protect their jobs and seeing that Canada is right to the north of the United States, there's barriers in place to employ Canadians. And it was difficult, And but I was able to secure uh, visa it was through a program I think it was through George H.W. Bush, where if a job had been posted for 90 days and couldn't be filled with an American, then they could seek out other um, countries to secure, you know, professionals to fill those positions. So when I moved here for work, it was about 21 years ago, and uh, I had submitted an application. The company was in a big hiring spree and. I was able to be interviewed, they secured my visa, and then I came to start working here in the United States. But it wasn't easy, that's for sure. So you came in
1: on a visa, everybody has to come in on a visa initially, is that right?
0: Correct, yes, absolutely.
1: All right, so once you're here and you're working, now how much time do you have before you're supposed to go back?
0: Uh, so each visa has certain renewal provisions. It depends on how frequently, uh, if I recall correctly, the visa had to be renewed every two years. Okay. And then it was renewed, uh, twice, um, for me to continue employment.
1: So if those employment opportunities wouldn't have been here, then you'd kind of have to go back
0: and there's just kind of no Cor-
1: chance to come in.
0: Correct. Yeah. Once, if I would have been, you know, let go or quit my job. The visa was specific to the company I worked with. And so I couldn't leave different to go for another company. They would have to apply for that same visa. So it was specific to the company that I was working with. And if I would have uh, terminated my relationship with the company or they would have terminated the relationship with me, then I would have been required to go back to Canada. All
1: right. So uh, why what's, what is it about America that was besides just a job or is it more than a job? I mean, why move from Canada? I mean, you're born and raised in Canada, right?
0: Born and raised there um, lived now uh, over half my life. I've lived in Canada and it's a great country, but you know, ultimately looking in hindsight, it's the opportunity that America provides that's unlike anywhere else on planet Earth. It's just, I mean, here's, here's what I, I really believe in. these are my fundamental beliefs is that happiness is the ultimate objective of humanity and that happiness has to have freedom. It's a critical component. And in no place on Earth are there more freedoms than there are in the United States. It it's comes down simply to freedom and liberty is how I see it. And there's no no better country than, than the United States.
1: No better country than the United States.
0: For, for securing freedom. Absolutely. Yeah. There's just based on forms of government. um, The limited government has created more opportunity and more freedoms and by consequence, more prosperity, more happiness. So when you, have, is my opinion.
1: when you have bigger government, you have less opportunity and freedom?
0: Correct, yes. Because anytime you're going to have larger government, there's going to be more control. There's going to be more power concentrated. So the idea behind freedom is that you have more power that is distributed amongst the individuals. With a larger government, you're going to have power that's more concentrate, concentrated in the government. And so that's less power to the people. Was there less power? It's, it's, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. So I, I think it's just, it's that simple.
1: Is, so it's not that way in Canada. Does Canada have bigger government?
0: A larger, more uh, involved government with the affairs of society, be it through the healthcare system, through education system, through the media and other aspects.
1: Does Canada have a, a state state controlled media?
0: They have a state sponsored media. It's state called spawned. the CBC. Yeah, CBC. So Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. So they get this a pretty massive grant from uh the government of Canada and they, you know, report the news. Um it's kinda like the BB kind of like the BBC okay. in the UK. Um Slightly PBS is NPRish here, but those are only slightly supported, whereas wholly supported um, CBC doesn't secure donations like an NPR or a PBS uh, okay. so
1: so what percentage of the people in Canada get their news from that one source would you
0: guess uh, probably 50 percent if not more 50 to 70 percent depends on the regions certain regions of Canada, much like the United States have different ideologies and philosophies and so other regions um, that are maybe more fond of larger government would would consume more of their news from CBC than maybe other Western areas where there's you know, less of an inclination for CBC, but it's kind of the only game in town for the most part. I mean, there are other options, but not like there is here in the United States. So many more
1: sources here and that kind of goes to the whole, It's not the collective, it's the individual and the freedoms of the individual in this country.
0: Yeah, exactly. Power is less concentrated. That's what it comes down to.
1: So, the concentration of power, would you consider that to be something? Well, obviously, that's not a good thing.
0: Never is. I don't think it ever is. It never leads to anything good. There's a reason why. A lot of the inventions, a lot of the biggest companies on this planet, be it Apple or Microsoft or Amazon or Netflix or Walmart or Costco or any other huge companies, you know, have their origin here in the United States. They're all American companies. yeah, most the ones that are really on the the leading edge of of technology and innovation and and where the future is 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 based here in the United States.
1: Interesting. Let's let's. So you mentioned healthcare a couple of times. Uh, let me just read a little section from a, a book by Nicole Sapphire. She's a medical doctor that wrote a book called "Make America Healthy Again." She says, to looking at uh, to the north in Canada as an example of what can happen under a single payer structure. You have a single payer structure there, correct? Correct. All right. So the average wait time to see a specialty doctor, such as an orthopedic surgeon or a neurosurgeon, in Canada is 35 weeks. It's not three to five weeks, that's 35. Likewise, in some provinces, it can take up to a year to get an MRI. The average wait time in the United States, three to six weeks to see a specialist, and just a few days for an MRI. So by American standards, that's still not fast enough. Just look at the online patient satisfaction reviews. Despite drastically shorter wait times in the United States than in nearly every other country, America's biggest complaints are about wait times and the amount of time spent face to face with doctors. Have you had medical procedures or needed any to see a doctor in Canada?
0: No, I'm most I'm fortunate. Fortunately, well, I've been never had my whole life, yeah. <laughs> fortunately, I mean, I did grow like up. I mean, I will say this: I grew up in a very rural area. Uh, it was a small town of. 1,200 people when I was growing up in it. There's no stoplights or anything like that. Um, But there were doctors in the community and you knew them personally. And and a few times they were my relatives, so I could go in and see them. But it didn't ever require major surgeries. Now, my family has required them. You know, specifically my mother has required to see specialists. And it had those very same wait times that you spoke of with regards to Anywhere from six to nine months to see uh, experts. So those aren't made up numbers. <laughs> no. Correct. No. No. It's it's rationed care. That, that's what it, people need to understand. It's it's rationed up there. It's so definitely controlled. It's controlled.
1: Does it cover dental or ambulance or vision or prescription? It does not medication? cover
0: dent. Does not cover dental. Uh, does not cover vision. Does not cover uh, prescriptions usually.
1: Okay, so it's. It's rationed care. You see, this is why I think it's really interesting talking to you because you bring a different perspective than those who were born and raised in this country and take a lot of things for granted. Uh, failing to appreciate.
0: Yeah, the U.S. system, I mean, I would say it's superior just for the reasons you've mentioned, but it has its you know, challenges as well um, with regards to... If, the inflation costs, right? So the cost of care has increased faster than the pace of inflation. But I would attribute that to government involvement. And so if I, I, I'm, I'm a proponent of, of less government. You'd have more competition and you'd have lower prices. So,
1: because I'm just going to say that again. Less government gives more competition and better prices.
0: Yes, correct.
1: All right. So if you bring in more government, you have less competition and higher prices.
0: Agreed. Yeah. So you have less competition. And and again, you're going to have the two parts of our economy here in the United States that experience, you know, double, if not more, the rise of inflation. Is education and healthcare, and those are the two sectors of our economy in which the government are most heavily involved.
1: Education and healthcare, like just because that touches everyone, we're all consumers of healthcare, and we're all consumers of education. The two most important mm-hmm. things in life. Um, let me just share this too. So, talking again about Canada, they say, as she says in the book, that it discriminates against people in the middle and lower classes. So says those without disposable income solely use the government-issued plans, but the wealthy pay the premium for private insurance.
0: Depends on the province you're at, but I know most of the extremely wealthy people in Canada actually come to the United States for treatment. So that tells you right there <laughs> <laughs> what, what happens. I, in fact, I knew a nurse here, and she, she was treating a number of Canadians who... are are well-to-do. It was in a cancer clinic here in Southern California and our oncology unit. And, Mm -hmm. and she was treating a number of Canadians because they could pay for their care directly.
1: Let's, let's talk about finances because you work primarily, I mean, only in finances now uh, with other people's money.
0: I'm a certified financial planner and, and the underlying elements are the same, which are really saving and investing and ensuring that your money's earning us enough interest over time to provide you know the monies in the future for the expenses that you'll have and it's really to kind of keep up with inflation and uh so yeah it's just it's mostly the same principles you would invest in the same etfs and mutual funds i guess the only significant differences is they would call it Home bias, and that maybe Canadian investors would skew more towards investing Canadian companies and u sure. s companies I mean investors tend to skew more towards the united states right uh, companies
1: how many people are actively putting money aside for their health care
0: in Canada or in the united states
1: well, let's let's talk about the United States here, yeah, so then you're
0: hard to say because I mean I don't directly hold uh investment accounts for health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, those would be in health savings accounts, HSAs. And those are used um, with people that have high deductible medical plans. And they're they're a really powerful uh, investment tool because they're triple tax free. Um, contributions are tax deductible, the growth is tax deferred, and any qualifying medical expenses are going to be uh, paid for tax free for, from distributions. Okay.
1: A lot of companies are, are want their employees to use those, don't they?
0: Uh, I mean, they've skewed towards those because they give uh, their employees these high deductible medical plans, which basically means you have a high deductible that you're going to have to pay out of pocket for a while. So they make sense for healthy people who aren't going to see the doctors throughout the year who may not have a chronic condition for those who have chronic conditions in those uh, plans wouldn't make sense for them. Okay. But from a planning perspective, healthcare is significant. Uh, if you look, there's a fidelity study that was done and the average uh, expenses in retirement for a married couple in the United States is $285,000. And so it's just a significant number that, a lot of people don't consider. Uh, that
1: 285000 is over what kind of time period?
0: It's the average uh, retirement. So if the average retirement is around 25 years and the average expense is around 10000 per year, so around just north of there, 250000 Right now, when I'm doing planning for people, the national average in the United States is $5,800 out-of-pocket expense per year for individuals. So Medicare Part A, that covers your hospitalization. But There's an initial deductible, I think, of $1,500. So if you're going to be hospitalized, you take a deductible of $1,500. And then Medicare Part B, you'll have premiums. You have monthly premiums that allows you to see you know, your regular checkups with the doctors. But those costs, there's a premium to that of between like $100 and $200, depending on what features you have, plus dental, you know, vision, and then uh, prescriptions, it's going to run you about 5800 per person per year here in the United States. Just for Medicare? Just for Medicare, yep.
1: 5800 per person for just for Medicare. Okay. Yeah, and then just, which, for healthcare. just for health care. Just for health care. Yeah. Um, is there any way to, I mean, to me, that doesn't sound like a real big problem, but I guess to, okay, a lot of people are facing retirement today. People are retiring today. People can't work today. People are, are laid up for whatever reason. Um, in the clients that you see, are they preparing for this sort of, I mean, everybody wants to get ready for retirement,
0: right? They are. I mean, HSAs have been a a recent addition to the, I guess, retirement planning arsenal, so to speak. But, you know, clients are cognizant of the fact that this is an expense. Some of them are, most of them actually are not. They they underappreciate the expense that healthcare is. And I often speak with clients uh, about, you know, exercise is, a potent uh weapon against medical costs in the future and you know i was reading about these uh really uh you know high net worth um advisors and they were asking them what's the advice that you give your clients most and they say it's not monetary related it's like you should be exercising putting an hour a day into your body is what they're saying because of the healthcare, is really how happy you're going to be and how your quality of life is going to be impacted by that more than anything else.
1: Wow. That's, I, I had never thought of that. So instead of saying, yeah, put more money
0: here, it's like put more time there. Both, <laughs> <Well, laughs> right. I would say, right? You know, because if you got, you're healthy and you don't have any money to enjoy it, it's not going to be that enjoyable <laughs> either. Right. So save and, and exercise w- would be the, the mantra. Save and exercise.
1: Well, that kind of takes things to another level. <laughs> I, I know you're not an exercise. I mean, um, that's not your expertise, but I don't think it really has to be an expertise of people. It just it's, it's something that makes sense. Do you
0: advise
1: your clients
0: that way? I ask them about their health regimen. I ask them what they do on a periodic basis, and I recommend those who are nearing retirement that they need to really incorporate an exercise regimen because this will have a, an impact. I mean, fr- from just a mental health perspective, it's it's a great thing to clear the mind and you know, get have better sleep. And there, there's a lot of factors that uh, are, are positive for people that exercise
1: and lead to decreased expenditures in the future. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think uh, if you really care about your, your clients your customers, I mean you care about people and you want the best for them in all aspects of their life. Not, not just their money, but everything that we do in America is impacted by
0: money. Correct. Uh, and th- and that really comes back down to the freedoms. If people have more freedom, also more responsibility, they're going to take more of an ownership of, of, of what they do for themselves from a physiological to a monetary standpoint.
1: So there again, we have the two sides of the same coin, freedom and responsibility and the individual freedom to take care of yourself And not expect somebody else to take care of you really makes all the difference. You said it in the beginning. That's what makes America great. That's why you wanted to come here, was for that freedom, for that smaller government and more
0: individual responsibility. Ultimately, I didn't know it at the time. The surf was appealing as well, I have to be yeah. honest. But The surf? <laughs> the <laughs> right. surf. That was intriguing. But as I have spent the time here, it's, I mean, there's always something you like when you grow up in Canada and you look at America and you recognize you're different and, and maybe you're younger, you can't really quite place your finger on it. But looking at things now as I've, you know, studied you know the different countries and the spent time in both countries i have just come to appreciate far more than anything else it's just the freedoms that we have here in the united states are superior to anywhere else and that how how important freedom is and individual liberty is to as jefferson said in the declaration this life liberty and the pursuit of happiness i mean I he said that like almost 250 years ago and, and i think those words are just so accurate to you know the goal that humanity has here which is life you know liberty and and how we can pursue happiness and those aren't mutually exclusive uh, you know I, I think it really comes down to individual liberty and and personal responsibility in that whenever there's Interventions to prevent any of those that you know you get less freedom, less responsibility. Examples would I would consider would be social security and you know the uh, the healthcare systems because there is this, I guess you could say, safety net. It's prevented some people from taking the actions that they should with regards to saving for retirement and saving for the future too many people feel that social security is going to provide all of their needs in retirement and there's this false notion in their minds that well when i retire i'll have social security not realizing it'll only cover 30 to 40 percent of their expenses and you know when that they realize that it's it's a big wake-up call um Sure, you're you're gonna you can live on healthcare, I mean on social security and retirement, but you just don't want to. It's gonna be a, a pretty rough existence. But I, I strongly believe that if people had more responsibility and realized there isn't a safety net out there, there isn't, you know, that they'd be more um, intentional in their everyday actions and decisions to secure their own future. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, I think there's certain people that do require some government um, mandated healthcare, you know, people with, you know, existing conditions, people that have some chronic conditions, you know, that, you know, some people who can't work and we are disabled. Those are, those are exceptional, exceptional circumstances. But for the general public, I think those, I mean, I think uh, I read, I heard this guy say it best, you know. Government should have a monopoly on the use of force, and I would add, and they should have the force to break up monopolies. so the first one is government should have a monopoly on the use of force, so only government should be able to provide law enforcement, only government should provide you know a standing army and you know, that's really where the government should be most heavily involved and they should have a monopoly on that, and then they should also have a monopoly on the, you know, the, on, on the ability to break up monopolies, which is, you know, where are you going to restrict freedoms of other businesses? Because certain companies become so large, they, you know, crowd out other businesses. So again, they, they limit freedoms. I mean, in all instances, I think it's advancing freedoms, right? It's the freedom of fear. That's what the law enforcement, that's what the army provides us. It's, it's the freedom from fear. So we can operate it all comes down to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Which is, you got your physiologic, physiological needs taken care of, then you got your safety needs taken care of. So once you you have your your basic needs and your your safety, you know then you can realize your potential. And I don't think there's a country better on this earth where people can realize their potential, and that's where people ultimately become happy, is realizing their potential. And and there's no better country. In the world that this that has that set up than the United States. Again, it speaks to the founding fathers and their genius. They have separation of powers. You directly elect the executive. So you have an executive that's a check on the, on the legislative branch, and then a judiciary that's a check on both. But the executive, you know, appoints the judiciary, but gets approved by the legislature, and then you got the House of Representatives that's elected every two years you got the Senates you know every six years, you know the president every four years i can't uh, can't uh, under can't underestimate or appreciate more the brilliance of the system like the United, like of course they didn't get it right the first time with the Articles of confederation, right you know they, they didn't get it right because they seceded too much power to the individual. States, which wasn't surprised because it was started from 13 colonies, but I mean, the genius of the U S system is what it allowed is the freedoms because you have those checks and balances and the limited form of government. Cause right now, I mean, it's like I said, Nancy Pelosi would be the prime minister of the United States. That's how the government works in most, most countries. And then like in the UK and a lot of different countries, but the U S has the oldest written constitution and yet it's still the best one because it secures more freedoms than anyone else. It has more checks and balances. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a superior system. It just is. And whenever you have restrictions on freedom, let's call it charter schools versus, you know, regular schooling, right? I mean, it it all comes down to freedom to me, Tom, if people have more freedom and take more responsibility, things are far better. And wherever that's absent, and you look in the inner cities where I volunteered and there's, you know, a lack of choice, a lack of opportunity, and because, you know, they can't decide where the kids go to school, you're going to have less freedom you gonna have, and with less freedom comes less happiness, right? Because you, because less freedom, if there's a, you're gonna have a more concentration of power with government, and when once power is concentrated, it's it's never good, and that's what the founding fathers understood, is that that power concentrated. I mean, they saw that in George the Third, right? I mean, when they when they declared independence from, him. whenever there's power concentrated, it never ends well. It never does, and so the whole notion of the founding fathers was to disperse as much power as possible amongst people, and and, and that's the power of the U.S. of the U.S. government of Constitution, I'll say, right? It all comes down to me to freedom. Freedom. Freedom, freedom. And freedom allows people to have their liberty and pursue happiness better than any other country.